to the High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now here's lead pastor, Chris Starr. Verses 48 through 58. Here's, here's just part of the story. We're going to cover the whole story. So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Then David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him, but there was no sword in the hand of David. All right, you can be seated. Thanks for for, uh, respecting the word of God today. Um, When I was a child, uh, growing up in Man's Choice, Pennsylvania, and I know my mom and dad remember this, uh, I went went down some ways from the house to a creek with some friends of mine. I was a a child. Uh, I'm going to guess I'm probably five, six, seven, eight, somewhere in there. And uh, we were having fun uh, catching craw. How many of you ever caught craw- crawdads? You know what I'm talking about, where you move the rock back and then there's the crawdad and you have the courage to reach down and grab them? You know, I, I just, I'm trying to think, I don't know if I'd do that today. But back then, man, we'd grab them and hold them up. And anyway, we were doing that. We're having a big time. And one of the kids got the crazy idea to pick up a, a sizable rock and just fling it over his shoulder. The problem was I was standing behind him. And that rock caught me square in the head and cut me wide open, and I'm bleeding. And so I I made the trek back to the house, which was a pretty good trek, from there back to the parsonage. And by the time I got back, uh, I was bleeding pretty good. And, of course, Mom and Dad freaked out and trying to get me set, and they took me to the hospital. uh, It was one of those little scary things because I started getting sleepy. I had lost enough blood that I started getting in there. Mom and Dad like, don't go to sleep, don't go to sleep. You know, wake up, wake up, wake up. So I really made their day that day. But uh, the, 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 the moral of the story is that rocks hurt. Anybody ever been hit by a rock? Okay, rocks hurt. Uh, I, I'm, I'm one of those do-it-myselfers. I, I love to mow my yard. How many of you like to mow your yard? I love to mow my yard, uh, and, I, and I'll weed eat. I love to mow more than weed eat, but I'll weed eat the yard, and I'll edge. You know, I'll do all that. So I've got a weed eater. One of the worst feelings in the world, and I've been dumb enough to do it more than once, is you, you do that with shorts on. And then you're out there just going to town. You're just, you man, you're just thinking this is looking great. And then you catch a rock. And the, and the twine on the rock takes the rock and slings it back into your ankle or your shin. How many have ever done that? You think of words you're not supposed to, right? There are words that come to your mind that you have to, that will try your sanctification because it hurts. Rocks hurt. Well, today we're going to talk about a story uh, about uh, a, a giant who had a life-ending experience with a rock thrown by a shepherd boy, the story of David and Goliath. So I just want to go through this story today, and we're going to talk about dealing with the giants in your life. And I, uh, I had this song in my head that I, I said, you know, uh, this would be a really great song if they sing today. And sometimes Pastor Billy and I coordinate, but I said, boy, there would be a really great song. And I thought, man, I wonder if I need to call Pastor Billy, but I'll just wait and see because he's a praying man. There is another in the fire. So I asked Pastor Billy for church. I said, what are you singing today? He told me the first song and the second song. And then he said, and then we're going to do There's Another in the Fire. And I started grinning because I said, yeah, we're on today. So I think we got a message that everybody needs to hear today. So 
story. Israel, the children of Israel, living there in Palestine, had, were surrounded by some enemies, some people groups that did not like them. And one of those people groups were the Philistines. The Philistines were the arch enemies of the nation of Israel. On this particular occasion in 1 Samuel chapter 17, we're told that the armies of Philistia gathered together to attack the people of God. And they chose a place called the Valley of Elah. And if you've ever seen pictures of Israel, there are rolling hills and uh, there are some mountains. You get in a certain place and, you know, mountains, the height of a mountain is relative. just depends where you are. But um, in this particular place, there was a ridge and then a valley and then a ridge over here, an opposing ridge. And the Philistines army lined up on this ridge and the children of Israel army, the Israelite army lined up on this ridge. And the goal was that they would go into the valley into combat, and they would fight each other. And uh, and and by the way, uh, my mom and dad have been there. I've never been to the to the Holy Land, but my mom and dad went there. And my dad, mom have actually been in the Valley of Elah. And there is a creek there where David got the stones. You know, and uh, that creek's still there. Isn't that cool that it's been there thousands of years? Isn't that wild? And uh, there are, of course, there are smooth rocks everywhere. And my dad picked out of the out of the creek this stone this is a smooth round stone this isn't from anderson this is from israel and by the way i've had it verified this is the stone that david used there is there is red on there when the blood is dried if you believe that you see me after church i got some things i want to sell to you but dad that's one of my prized possessions you brought back from israel uh I'm not sure if you're allowed to bring rocks back, so I don't know if you smuggled that back into America or not, but anyway, we hope we're okay. So they're, they're lined up, but now this was an unusual situation because instead of having army combat army, the Philistines decided to come up. They came up with this unusual idea, this novel idea. They would get a champion, one person, and choose him, and they said to Israel, you choose a champion. And we're going to, those two are going to go in the valley, and they're going to fight. And whichever champion wins, the army, the losing army, will yield to that winning army. And so you don't have a lot of people getting killed. Just one person would get killed. Well, they liked this plan because they had a formidable champion named Goliath. He was nine feet, nine inches tall. He was covered with scaled body armor weighing 126 pounds. He had a spear with a spearhead weighing 15 pounds. Now, you think how big that is. And on top of that, he was loud and he was an intimidating. Meanwhile, Israel had no champion, nobody to fight. No one was willing to face Goliath. Now, preachers do this. We take stories from the Bible and we make spiritual observations and correlations. And so that's exactly what I want to do this morning. You, I'm not going to say you might not. I'm going to say you will never face a literal giant nine feet, nine inches tall who wants to kill you. I just don't think that's going to happen in your life. But you will face all kinds of giants in your life that are going to be crises or obstacles or opponents. For example, a financial crisis giant or the giant of unemployment or a health crisis giant or an addiction giant or a giant spiritual obstacle or a giant devil that's coming against you. Or you may face a giant moral decision. If you make the right choice, you're going to please God. If you make the wrong choice, there are going to be tremendous, terrible consequences. You may face the giant of a marital crisis 
or the giant of a family crisis or the giant of a relationship crisis. Now here's something that's very important. How you choose to deal with that giant will make all the difference between defeat and victory. You've got to deal with it in the right way. Now Saul and all of Israel, Saul was the king of Israel, Saul and all of Israel were dismayed and terrified because of Goliath. And I notice in the story, I know we didn't read the whole story, that would have been reading all of 17, but if you'll look, not one time did anyone pray or trust God for the victory in Israel. That's pitiful, isn't it? Not even the king, who was supposed to be somewhat of a spiritual leader, thought to pray and talk to God. Now, life's giants are frightening, and our normal initial reaction is to move into a defensive position and then determine if our human resources are adequate enough to overcome it. That's what we do. But what if your human resources are inadequate? What if your human resources are non-existent? Then we are immediately placed in a state of fear and we expect the worst possible outcome. That's what happens naturally. But I came here today to tell you what God wants you to do is to immediately run to him in a state of faith. And he wants you to confer with him in prayer and call out to him and give God an opportunity to take out your giant. That's the play that God wants. Now, another thing I noticed in this story is that Goliath presented himself to the children of Israel 40 days and 40 nights, a month and a half, and he did it twice a day. Eighty times Goliath stepped out challenging Israel to send one person to fight him, and 80 times nobody responded. Now, here's what Goliath was saying to Israel. I'm not going anywhere. You're not, you're not getting around this. I'm not going anywhere. Now, the reason I point that out is because there are going to be times you're going to face giants that are going to be there until you deal with them. They're not going anywhere, okay? I know people, and I'm thinking of somebody right now, and you're not going to know who they are, so don't ask me. But when they face a giant, they stick their head in the sand. They've got that con the, the, the ostrich concept that if I ignore it, it'll just go away. Well, rarely do the giant circumstances in life resolve themselves. At some point, you have to face the giants in your life. Now, here's the last thing I noticed. Saul and the men of Israel looked like soldiers, uh, were organized like soldiers, um, shouted war cries like soldiers, but they didn't act like soldiers. They weren't fighting, and they weren't getting the victory. Now, I'm just going to say this today. Uh, you can say you're a Christian, and you are a Christian. You can go to church. You can read your Bible. You can pray. All that's well and good. We can call ourselves here at High Praises a church. We can put church in our name. We can be organized and structured like a church, uh, have all the semblances of a church. But listen, you are not a child of God until you act like a child of God. And we are not the church until we act like we are the church. And what does that mean? That means that we trust God. That means that when we face giants, whether that's as a body here or for you as an individual, that means that we say, God, this is bigger than me. I need your help. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe that you're going to come through. We face the giant issues in our life, and then we operate in the power of the Holy Spirit and in the name of Jesus, and we fight until we experience the victory. Come on, somebody say amen. So that's what we do. And so Here's the, here are these two armies lined up. 
Nobody's fighting. Goliath's coming out, taunting, intimidating. This goes on for a month and a half. Then enters the main character of our story, little David. David shows up. Now, David wasn't out there fighting because he was the youngest and uh, the three, his three older brothers had gone to battle, but his responsibility was to stay home and take care of the sheep because he was a shepherd. And so that's exactly what he was doing. Well, there was no CNN, Fox News, no 24-hour cable service, no emails, nothing like that, not even a newspaper. So David's dad was curious what's going on with, you know, my, brother, my son's still alive. What's happening? Did we win the battle, lose the battle? What's going on? So he sends David to go check out and get some news about the war. He also sends some food with David. So David takes his food, and he's all excited. He's all excited because he's going, expecting to see a battle, and he's, he's thinking this is going to be cool, this is going to be awesome, and he thinks when I get there, I'm going to have this perch, I'm going to watch these fights going on, and, and people fighting one another with swords and shields, and, and wow, what a view that I'm going to have, and this is going to be exciting. Well, he shows up, and there's nothing happening. He's disappointed. So he stands there, and he's like, guys, what? What's going on? And about that time, Goliath steps out. And Goliath goes through his spiel, and he's taunting, and he's blaspheming the Lord God Jehovah, and he's taunting the people of Israel, and it did something in David. I mean, it got him stirred up. He said, boy, who does he think he is? You ever met anybody like that? Who do you think you are? You ever met like the shortest, smallest little person wants to fight everybody? Ain't got enough sense to know you're going to get whooped. They won't fight everybody. That's David. David was ready to fight. Who's he think he is? He couldn't sit idly by, and so he had to do something. He said, I'm, I'm part of Israel. I may not be part of this army, but I'm a child of God. I'm a child of Israel. Who does he think he is? I'm ready to face this giant. Now, David was the least likely person to be a giant killer, but God had chosen him to do it. He was anointed by God, which means he was equipped for the job. See, David had already had an experience with Samuel the prophet because David was supposed to be the next king of Israel and the prophets always anointed the king. And so Samuel had come earlier and anointed David with oil, but that was more than just a religious act. The spirit of God came over David and in David at that moment. So that little shepherd boy was full of the Holy Ghost, we Pentecostals would say. He was full of the Holy Ghost and fire. He knew the power and the authority of God. And so he wasn't like everybody else. There was someone inside of him. There was a power on him that he knew that he could do what God had called him to do. I came here this morning to say to you, if you are facing a giant in your life of any form or fashion, don't ever buy into the lie that you don't have what it takes to eliminate that giant. That is a lie of the devil to try to get you to back down. You hear me this morning. You are a child of God. You are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. You are born again. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And if you've been baptized with the Holy Ghost, you have been anointed with the power of the Holy Ghost. You have the authority and the name of God Almighty, and you have everything you need to face the giants that are in your life. I read years and years and years ago a book by a guy named, guy named Frank Foglio. It was called Hey God. Some of you may have heard it. You can still get it. I looked on the internet. It is one of the best books I've ever read in my life. If you want a good read, you need to buy this book, Hey God, by Frank Foglio. Frank Foglio grew up in an Italian home, uh, an Italian Catholic home, okay? 
and uh, a lot of a lot of brothers and sisters, big family. His mother was a devout Catholic, uh, a, a Italian home Catholic home. And so uh, one day, another family, Catholic family, had gotten saved, came over to their house, just bars right in, and started preaching the gospel to them. He said the mother got a hold of his mom, and all the other kids in that family got a hold of us, and all of them had a Bible and started witnessing to them. Isn't that cool? And boy, he said his mama got all mad. She got all frustrated. They finally left, but they told her, they said, you, you, what, what you've got is religion, but you need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And they were preaching because she wasn't saved. You, know, you can be religious and not be saved. That's what she was. Well, when they left, she went upstairs. They said they heard her mom, their mama praying. He said, my mama's praying. She said, hey, God, I don't. I, these people made me mad. I don't know if what they're saying is true. If, if everything I've lived so far in my life, is it a lie? Have I been living false? I need to know, God, if this is real, I need to know. And they said all of a sudden something happened to their mama. They don't know what it was. And then they said the next thing they know, they heard mama speaking in some language they never heard before. And she was jumping. And they said it sounded like the roof was going to come down. And, and they didn't know what was happening. And when she came down the stairs, he said, my mama looked different, something and it happened and he said my mama said they were right and we've been wrong but I've had an experience for myself God saved mama sanctified her and baptized her with the Holy Ghost while she was upstairs praying I love the story because after that that little Italian woman started operating in the power of the Holy Ghost and the book is filled with times where in her life and her family or in other people's lives that she would encounter a giant. And instead of getting all frustrated and bent out of shape and worried and thinking we can't handle this, they didn't have a lot of money, they were poor. She, he said, Frank said his mama would go in a room and he could always hear her pray. And this is how she started every prayer. Hey, God. She didn't say our dear and kind, most gracious heavenly father. She said, hey, God. Here's what's going on. And she would tell the Lord what was happening. He said, my mother had more miracles. He said, I don't know what it was, but when God heard my mama say, hey, God, he would perk up and the power of God would flow. And he just lists miracle after miracle after miracle, giant after giant after giant that comes down. I just came here into high praises this morning in the second service to say to you, you are not some wishy-washy, mealy-mouthed, weak, yellow-bellied, yellow-backed person, but you are a child of the living God. God, you need to stand up in the authority and the power of God, and you need to tell the devil, devil, you're not going to have your way in my life. Hallelujah. David's brothers were there. They hear David talking big. I'm ready to deal with this giant. Y'all get out of my way. I'm going down there. David's brothers heard him. His oldest brother stepped in and said, what are you doing? Who do you think you are? I know how you are. You need to go back. Who's watching those sheep? You need to go back home and watch the sheep. Don't you hate it when God's doing something in your life and then somebody negative comes along? Yeah. And David looked at his brother and said, what have I done? Well, let me ask you something, big brother. Is there not a cause? Y'all don't act like there's a cause. Y'all act like y'all up here just standing around doing nothing when there's a cause down there, but nobody will move. Is there not a cause? And I got thinking, what is a cause? A cause is something worth fighting for. A cause is something worth dying for. A cause is a valuable end that must be pursued at all costs. A cause is something where the situation cannot be tolerated long term. It's bad, it's negative, and you need to deal with it. That's a cause. You know, you got a lot of activists. They get all, they get all activated. Because they got a cause, right? Okay, listen. If you got a giant in your life, there's a cause. 
Don't, don't you tolerate that giant. Don't you put up with that giant. But you got to speak to that giant and deal with that giant. But listen, negative, faithless people will never understand your decision to face your giant in a spiritual manner. They'll either tell you to throw in the towel or leave it alone, or they'll say, why don't you try, why don't you try um, human things and human resources and material resources? Let me just say this. I heard a little saying. I love this. Don't let anyone with dirty feet walk in your mind. If people are negative and they got negativity all over their feet, don't let them walk in your mind. Matter of fact, don't say it to their face. You'll make them mad. But you need to do like Jesus did to Peter. You remember Peter started trying to talk the Lord out of going to Calvary? Peter looked at him. Now, don't do this somebody. you make them mad, okay? Just turn your back and say it behind their back. He said, you need to get behind me, Satan. And when somebody's trying to talk you out of facing the giants and trusting God and operating the power of God, and they're trying to talk you out of it, you just need to say, you know what, you need to get behind me. I don't need you in my face. You need to talk to the hand because the face don't want to hear it. You need to get away from me because I'm not listening to you. I'm listening to God. I'm listening to the Word. I'm listening to the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to do, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's the last time I checked. The existence of a giant hindering you in your spiritual life is a just cause. It's something worth fighting for. You have to deal with it, and you need God to take it out. And sometimes you have to talk to the devil. Pastor Billy was starting to preach my sermon today. He was on today. Sometimes you got to tell the devil some things. I don't recommend talking to the devil much, but when you do, you just need to tell him the way it is. Sometimes you need to say, devil, you can't have my marriage. Devil, you can't have my children. Devil, you can't have my finances. Devil, you can't have my physical health. Devil, you can't have my mental health. Devil, you can't have my emotional health. Devil, you can't have your way in my life anymore. I come against you in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Ghost, and I know that God is greater in me than he is, and there's nothing in you, and you have to do what I say, Satan. Your kingdom is coming down. You know, the devil will put up strongholds in our life, and we put up with those strongholds. We need to get to a point where, you sit point where we say, you know what, I'm tired of this stronghold in my life. I'm tired of this obstacle in my life. I'm tired of this situation in my life. We need to get on our knees and start praying and talking to God and say, God, I need you to deal with this. I'm ready if you are. You think he's ready? Oh, yeah, he's ready. So how did David face the mighty Goliath? Three things that I see. Number one, he worked with what he had. He worked with what he had. What did he have? Well, he had a shepherd's staff, but he knew he couldn't beat Goliath to death. But he did have a sling. Now, his slingshot wasn't the kind I grew up with. Y'all know the slingshot we're talking about, right? Y-shaped, got this rubber band with a little pouch. And you, you ever shot one of those things? You shot yourself in the hand or something, you know? <laughs> you get hurt with those things. Don't buy those for your children. That's an accident waiting to happen, okay? But, but you know, we, we grab that band. That's not theirs. They had a, a little pouch and had a long string and a long string, and they would put the stone like this in the sling, okay? And then they would hold it, and they would hold the one string tight, but the other string they'd hold loose, and they'd swing it around like this, get some velocity on that thing. And then at just the right time, they go, whoosh, and they let go of that second string, hold on the first string, and they would release the rock. Now, listen, let me tell you, that's hard. Go home and, well, don't go home and try that because you might end up in the hospital and we'll have to visit y'all this week. So don't try it. Maybe Google it. Somebody, maybe another idiot out there tried it and you can laugh at him. 
but, but don't try this. I do not recommend this. But because back then they didn't have rifles and pistols and all those kind of things, that was what they had. There were, there were people that were good at that. I mean, they could, they could throw that thing and release it, and they could pick a target and hit it. Okay, now that's good. As a matter of fact, there was something about left-handed people, because, you know, left-handed people, they, they're more creative, and they're, they, they're, they're, they got the right side of their brain uh, that functions, you know, right-handed people is the left side of the brain. My dad always said that left-handed people are smarter than right-handed people because they're the only people in the right mind, right side. I don't know if that's true or not. Both my parents are left-handed, but that's probably why I said that. But, uh, but, but, but it seems something about left-handed people, they've got the, they were good. There was, like, I think it was the Benjamites in the Bible. I think that's who it was. A lot of them were left-handed. They were good at this. Like, they had an entire, entire clan of people, tribe, that was good at this. Okay? So David was good at this. So he didn't have a sword and a shield and a spear. He just had a slingshot. And there were five smooth stones. He went down there and got five. Now, by the way, you know why he got five smooth stones and not one? This is in the Bible. Goliath, you have to read it in another place. Goliath had four big brothers. That is in the Bible. He was not the only giant. There were four other big giants. I love that kind of faith that says, I'm not only getting a rock for this giant, but I'm going to go ahead and prepare myself spiritually, mentally, and get four more in case the other four show up. Because when I take this one out, I'm going to take the other four out too. There ain't going to be no more giants in my life. Isn't that the way we want to be? Get one giant out and another giant shows up. Oh, I got another giant in my life. Nah, I just say I dealt with one. I'm de you know, I heard somebody say that when you have to fight the devil, it's bad. It's bad. Whatever the devil takes you through, it's bad. But once you get the victory, the next time that devil shows up, you don't get all bent out of shape. This is what happens in mature faith. You look at that devil and say, it's you again? I've already dealt with you once, and I won. I'm going to deal with you again. Matter of fact, you sure you want to get in the ring with me? Because I already beat you once, and I don't know how to do it again. And usually the devil said, nah, I think I'll leave you alone move on to somebody else. So, so all David had was a sling, but it was enough. Some people say, only if I only had a better doctor, I could defeat this giant. Oh, if I only had more medicine, I could defeat this giant. Oh, if I only had more money, I could defeat this giant. Oh, if I had a better job then I think I could defeat this giant. Oh, if I just had a different life than the life I have, I could defeat this giant. Oh, if I could just, if I could just have something that's different than what I have now, I could deal with this circumstance. I'm telling you today, the answer to that is wrong. That's the wrong answer because changing your circumstance, if something in your life is something that it takes God to defeat, then it doesn't matter if you have a different job. It doesn't matter if you have more money. It doesn't matter if you go about it a different way. It doesn't matter if you get another doctor or, or different medicine because this thing is bigger than all of those things. But you've got what you need already because God will take what you possess and give you the victory. You say, what have I got? you got faith. you got the promises of God. you got the presence of God. You've got the power of God. You've got the word of God. you got access to God. Come on, somebody. You've got everything you need. You just need to tap into that Rather than say, who can I call? Who can I connect? What phone call can I make? What email can I send? You already got everything you need. Just get on your knees and have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about your trouble. He'll hear your faintest cry, and he'll answer by and by. Sounds like a song, doesn't it? Because it is. Exodus 4-2, Moses faced the giant task of leading the children of Israel in their deliverance from Egyptian bondage. Moses said, I can't do that. That's too big a job. Could you imagine leading an entire nation out from the most powerful man in the world, Pharaoh? 
Moses said, I can't do that. God said, oh, yes, you can. What's in your hand? Moses was a shepherd. He had a shepherd's staff. He said, I got a rod. He said, that's all you need. I love this because this is in the Bible. God turned the rod into the rod of God. That's cool, isn't it? Not the hot rod, all you guys that like cars. The rod of God. Okay, so this rod, he could throw it down and turn it into a snake. Then he could grab it by the tail, it turned back into a stick. That's crazy, isn't it? And, and, and the rod, he would stretch it out, and when he was going against Egypt, Moses would stretch out the rod, and he began to pray, and with that rod and with prayer, God would pour out these plagues on Egypt. When they were at the Red Sea, and, and they needed to part the waters, he took the rod of God, which was formerly a shepherd's rod, and he held it up, and he cried out to God, and God parted the waters of the Red Sea. Time and again, God would use. The point is, God can take what you have already and use it to give you the victory. Hallelujah. In 2 Kings chapter 4, Elisha, the prophet, was with this widow, okay, and she faced the giant of debt crisis. She said, we don't have anything. We're poor. My husband, before he died, got us into a bunch of debt, and now he's dead, and the creditors are coming, and the only way they can feel like they get their money back is they're going to take my son and enslave him. And she said, so I'm about to lose my son and lose everything. And Elisha asked her a question. He said, what do you have in your house? She said, I don't have much of anything. She said, I got one jar of oil. Ladies, one bottle of Crisco. Open the pantry, and all that's in there is one bottle of vegetable oil. And Elisha said, that's all we need because God can take whatever you have and do something with it. He said, so here's what I want you to do. Start going to all your neighbor's houses and borrow every empty jar that you can find, every size, and bring them into this house. So she and her son went out, and they borrowed every empty jar that everybody would loan. I mean, they had jars laying all over the floor. She said, what do I do now? He said, take the one bottle of Crisco oil you got and pour it into the next jar. She thought, well, that's dumb. I'm just going to transfer from one thing to another thing. He said, oh, no, God's in this. So she picked it up, and she poured the Crisco oil, like they had Crisco back then. She poured the Crisco oil into the, into the jar, and when she, thinking this was empty, and when she turned it back up, she felt weight. And she said, whoa, 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 what was it? And she looked down in it, and it was full. Now that's got oil, and this got oil. She looked at the prophet, and he's grinning. Told you, pour again, honey. So she went to the next one, and she poured till she emptied that one out. And when she turned it back up, it got heavy. And she looked in, and it was full of oil again. She did that for every jar in her. Could you imagine the state of mind that she changed from being somebody in desperation to somebody has now gone, whoop, hallelujah, I'm getting my miracle. Look what God is doing. Look what the Lord has done. This is awesome. God is showing up in my house. God is showing up in my life. And when she filled up the last one, she looked at the prophet and said, I'm done. He said, now take all the jars of oil and go out there and sell it to everybody that needs oil and then take the money, pay off your creditors, and you don't have to worry about your giant. Your giant is dead. You've got everything you need because you've got God. That's how David defeated the giant. The second thing David did is that he knew the Lord was with him. Now that sounds so, you know, I do this through the years. One of those duh moments. Duh. 
you, you'd be amazed at people that I know who serve God, trying to serve God, but they just don't get it yet that God is in them and with them. When the first crisis comes, they don't even think about God. I'm, it's my job to stand here and remind you again, brothers and sisters, that when all else fails and everybody else deserts you, listen to me, God is with you. Jesus said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. He is with you. He is a very present help in the time of trouble. God had delivered David from lesser giants in the past. He said he fought a bear and a lion. Now, I don't want to come to face to face with a bear. I was watching Fantastic Four Silver Surfer movie this week. It was on TV and I just happened to watch it. And uh, the, 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 what is that, what's he called? The Thing, what's the, what's the Rocky guy? The Thing, whatever, he was out there and a big old grizzly bear came out in front of him. He roared at him. Well, he just roared back at him. His roar was louder than the bear and the bear took off. Okay, I know, it's just a movie. I don't care whether you think it or not, but it just came to mind. But, but the point is, I don't want to come face to face like that with a grizzly bear, do you? I mean, I was hunting in Pennsylvania one time on a, on a deer drive, and I was up near the top of a mountain sitting there, and they were doing a deer drive, and I could hear a little whistle blowing. I know the guys were coming this way, and they pushed deer, you know, so you can harvest one. And so I heard something crash out. Here comes, a, here comes a deer, and I looked, and it was a big black bear. Ran about 20 yards, 30 yards below me, and I had my 270. I said, boy, you better keep on running. If you know what's good for you, you'll just keep on going because I, I got something you ain't going to like. Well, he just kept on running because he just wanted to get away from me. But I do not want to come face to face. David came face to face with a bear. Bear showed up, stole and eat it for lunch. David went over there. I love this. David said he grabbed the bear by the beard. Now, that's getting up close and personal, isn't it? Got up close and personal, and he killed that bear. And then another time, a lion came and did the same thing. Now, y'all, lions, you don't mess with a lion. A lion's going to take you out and win every time. Okay? That's why they're called the king of the jungle. Okay? Because you were just a little pawn on the chessboard. He's the king. And so, but a lion came, took, we'd run. David chased it down. Chased it down. Lion dropped the lamb, turned around, got all fours like this, and died. David just kept on running, jumped up there, grabbed him by his beard, and killed him. Now, that's, that's pretty powerful right there. Here's the point. David had faced lesser giants in the past. You say, Pastor, how did he do that? It was the power of God. God wasn't going to let him get killed because he was anointed to be the next king. See, so y'all got to know you got a destiny. This giant's going to take me out. You got a destiny. My wife has fought a giant, y'all. You just don't know what Leah's been through for over four months now. There have been times it's scared her and, and it's worried her and she's just wondered. And I've had to look at her and say, Leah, God's not through with you yet. You're going to overcome this. You're going to get better. You're going you're to overcome this. Life is not over. The devil will try to make you feel hopeless and make, make you feel like nothing ever good's going to happen again. But I'm telling you, that's a lie of the devil. That's why you need to deal with that giant because God has a plan and a destiny for you. So what did David do? He just knew that God was with him then. David said, he'll be with me now. If he was with me with the bear and the lion, he's going to be with me now. Let me ask you a question. What has God done for you in the past? Has God ever come through for you? Can you think of something big right now where God came through for you? Okay. Do you remember the times he came through? Listen, if he did it before, he'll do it again. Because he is the God that is with you, he is the God that is in you, he is the God that is for you, and you will never face the giant alone because he is Emmanuel, God with us. 
They sang, there's another in the fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those three probably teenage boys, taking a stand for Jesus, getting persecuted for their faith, took their stand anyway. They tied them up, made the furnace seven times hotter, and threw those three boys in the furnace. Should have, in the natural, should have burned them, should have killed them immediately. I mean, they should have been dead within a matter of seconds. Instead, they stay alive. And the king, after a while, when the furnace cools down, and he cooled off because he was mad, finally said, you know what? Those boys, there was something extraordinary about them. I just think I'll go over there and take a peek in the furnace. And he expected to see three crispy critters, but instead he saw three live Hebrew boys walking around having themselves a good time in the fire, and the king said, get them out because there's a problem. We threw in three, but there's four in there, and the fourth one looks like the son of the living God. I'm telling you, we sang it this morning. When you're in the fire, God will be there before you get there. If you're facing a giant, Jesus is already there. I need to pray hard enough to get Jesus there. Jesus is already in the valley waiting on you. That's something to think about. <clears throat> David knew the Lord's will. Here's the last one. We'll quit. David knew his limitations, but he trusted the unlimited power of God. You got to know your limit, limitations, but you got to know what God can do. Old David said, he spoke words of victory prior to the battle. Don't wait to shout. After the giant's dead, go ahead and shout now before he's gone. He said, I come to you in the name of the Lord. He said, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. That sounds like victory, doesn't it? That's vision. He said, the battle is the Lord's. He said, what are y'all doing? giant said, what are y'all doing sending me? Send a little dog out here? Little dog, you little puppy dog. That's all you are. Who do you think you are, little puppy dog? I'm going to kill you and feed you to the birds. Matter of fact, you don't even count. I'm going to kill you and I'm going to still come out here and they need to send me another because I don't know what you are, but you are nothing. And David said, yep, you're right. I'm just a little shepherd boy. I'm no warrior. I can't fight you. They tried to put armor on me and it didn't work because that's not me. I'm just a little shepherd boy. But let me tell you something, Jack. You coming out here in your strength and your power, but I know a God who is bigger than you. See, when your giant says, I'm bigger than you, you need to look at your giant and say, yeah, but I got a God that's bigger than you are. I got a God that's greater than you are. That's, see, that's the kind of faith you have to have. Know your limitations, but know the power of God. God has no limitations, and you have all you need as a child of God. So as I close, here's what I want to tell you to do. Take authority over that giant. Take authority over it. Say, John, I take authority over you in Jesus' name. Tell it to go in Jesus' name. Then act on God's word. Do what God's, for example, if you're in a financial, facing a financial giant, tithe. He said, but I'm having a financial crisis. Tithe anyway. He said, I can't tithe. Then give something to God. But make a statement to God that I'm going to trust you with my finances. Well, what will happen, Pastor? I'm going to tell you what will happen. God will show up and bless you financially, and you'll get out of debt. And God, you'll know the power and the presence and the blessings of God in your life. you got to act on God's word, okay? Pray a hedge around your children. If there's an issue there, ask for warring angels to stand before you, whatever you're facing. And then praise and thank God for the victory before it comes. Not when it comes. Before it comes, this is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. 
This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. Isn't that what we sing? Yes, that's what we sing. And then what is this? What is it? How do we fight my how do we fight our battles? The song, you have to sing the rest of the song to know it. It's praise. Praise is how I fight my battles. It's when you praise the Lord and in advance. And as I praise God and I see who he is and what he can do, see, then the rest of that song looks, sounds good. It may look like I'm surrounded. But you ain't seeing what I'm seeing. I'm surrounded by you. You Giant, you got to go through God to get to me. Are you seeing it? And when you have that kind of faith, that's why you got to praise your way to the victory. And when you do, God will give you the victory. Come on, I want you to stand with me all over this house this morning. Go ahead, Pastor Billy, and play. Please. I got to tell the rest of the story, right? So David, y'all got to get this because I'm going to help somebody today to have faith. So David goes down and he gets those five stones and he puts them in a little bag. But he reaches and gets one out. This one. I have fun with that. It would be so cool. I'm going to get to heaven and say, Lord, was that? it wasn't because dad got it out of the creek. Of course, David might have pulled it out of his forehead and just chunked it back in the creek. We'll see when we get to heaven. He pulled that thing. He stuck it in. And I love this. The Bible said he didn't go... says he ran to the ark. He runs. It's like, you ever met somebody who just loves to get in a fight? That's David. He can't wait to get there. He can't wait to face the giant. He goes running straight at that giant. There's a whole Philistine army behind and David knows the range of his weapon. Okay? Like when I zero in my rifles, I usually zero them in at 100 yards. But I'll, I'll put it, David, maybe a couple inches high because that way if it's a 200-yard shot, I'm still on. I know what my weapon will do when I'm using it. David had this weapon. He knew, he knew if he needed to get 30 yards out, 20 yards out, he wasn't worried. He just knew he had a weapon and he had God. And he went running and, and it, probably, it probably freaked out Goliath. He probably thought, what's wrong with this little runt? What does he think? I'm going to kick him when he gets up here close enough. I'm just going to boot him. And David got in close enough, and he's whipping that swing. Can you see it? And he's running to that giant, and he gets close enough, and he says, you better get ready. Here it comes. In the name of the Lord, I'm about to take you out. And he lets that thing go. That rock went zap and hit, hit Goliath right in the forehead. I'm telling you, it hurts when you get hit by a rock. This rock hit him so hard in the forehead, it took out Goliath. It took him out. He, I mean, it just didn't knock him out. It took him out. The, the force of the, of, the, of the rock killed him. And he went, I bet they went, Timber! And he hit the ground. And at that moment, the Israelites are going like this. And the Philistines are going... Uh oh. And the Israelites are going, oh yeah. Maybe kind of like that Gamecock Bulldog game yesterday. I don't know. Pastor Terrence, I'm so sorry. He's a Georgia Bulldog fan. I don't know. But when he went boom and the ground shook, the, watch this. The faith of the rest of Israel went up. And the fear of the enemy went up. 
and Israel screamed and shouted and took off down in the valley. And, the, and instead of the army coming to meet them, they threw their stuff down in fear, turned around and ran. And the Israelites chased them all the way back to their cities. And God gave not just David, but them a great victory. And I love this, and it's gruesome and it's gory. But David didn't have a sword to make sure the dude was dead. So he just pulled his sword out. Now this is gory, but he just went whack, and he decapitated his fallen foe. Now I don't know that it happened this way, but I think he grabbed him by the hair of his head, and while everybody was running this way, David was done fighting. He was headed back to the camp saying, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they come from me. Woo! Come on, somebody. What's your giant? What's your giant? Because right now you're all excited. But right now, the giant looks like it's going to take your head off. But I'm Okay, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost right then. But I'm here to tell you that if you'll just take authority and you'll take your stand, God will defeat that giant and give you victory in your life. How many believe it this morning? Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045. For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.